0: This podcast is brought to you by NeuroCreative Studio, the number one provider of one-to-one applied neuroscience coaching and development programs designed to enhance your creativity and effectiveness.
1: Find out more at neurocreative.studio. You're listening to the Ambition Incubator podcast and I'm your host, Deirdre Morrison. My thing is helping people understand how our brains work so that we can be better and do better in any area of life that's important to us. So as well as bite-sized brain science, I'll be bringing you interviews and advice from experts and guests who specialize in working with entrepreneurs and leaders to help them explore potential, possibilities, and ways to be more effective. And the best bit? We can start right now. Did you know that concussion is technically a traumatic brain injury? Along with workplace and sporting accidents, simple slips, trips and falls can result in a concussion that has a lasting impact on the brain. My guest today is Dr. Jennifer Blanchette, and in her clinical practice, she specializes in traumatic brain injuries, including concussion. But before getting into brain injuries and their aftermath, we open the discussion with ways to improve memory and attention and outline some of the basics for enhancing cognitive function. Now, Jen, I... I really want to ask you about your work and your understanding in helping people improve memory and attention. Because I know that this is something that a lot of people, especially when they're in the throes of, you know, starting something new or maybe even, you know, they're moving up in their career and there's just a whole lot of pressure piling on. This, this seems to be something that a lot of people struggle with. Uh, well, what's your advice or your take on this?
0: Yeah. So I would, you know, I was thinking a little bit that when we talked in the pre-interview about specific things, but I want to take it back to basics,
1: mm.
0: very essentials, which are, are four things. So movement, rest, sleep, pretty mm. much nutrition and social interaction. Mm. So I think those four things build our house of cognition. So if we don't have those four things, on lock, on check, then we're not going to be able to, I think, access higher levels of cognition. So that would be executive functioning. So executive functioning is something in our brain. I call it the CEO. So the CEO of our brain has to have all those things online. So it has to have primitive brain online. It has to have our emotional structures online. So if you think about those basics, if we aren't giving our brain basic nutrients so if our nutrition is kind of a hot mess, we're not eating. And I I don't prescribe to any type of weight loss or diet plan like that. But thinking about does do my cells actually have nutrition? Mm-hmm. Is my brain actually able to function? Because our brain takes about twenty percent of our energy. We don't think this little structure is going to take that much energy, but it does. So if we're mm-hmm. not fueling, I say fuel your furnace. Think about fueling your furnace with the things that it needs. Movement is key. Uh, so and. I'm a clinical psychologist. I'm also a group fitness instructor. I teach Zumba and other more mind body formats as well. And I've found it key for my health, both physically, mentally, spiritually, all of the above, to make sure that I'm functioning at an optimal level. Mm-hmm. Or when I'm not even doing that, that it's helpful to me to relieve
1: stress. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, I mean, you mentioned nutrition there, but um, hydration uh, with exercise and movement and just even in, in the normal day day to day run of things is also very important, isn't it? Um, because in my understanding, at least the brain is actually waterier than the rest of us. And we're, you know, pretty much all water as it is. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the brain is when I was, was actually I'm in this concussion uh, mentorship right now currently. And the brain is really like like the consistency of jello. So if we think about yeah. that and how much how much water it really needs, <laughs> yeah. Then then it, it is really important to really think about those basics. And I think we're we're always trying to think of the hack. We're, okay, let me hack my brain, let me try to figure out the new like productivity thing when your cells are like, okay, we don't have no nutrients, we haven't moved today. Mm. We need to start there. So if yeah. I would tell I would tell your folks who feel maybe overwhelmed and stressed. To really have like that mind-body reset and think about really getting down to basics, like meeting with their, I don't know what you call it over there. We call it a GP or, um, you know, your your doctor who kind of oversees everything. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep, yeah. Same for us.
0: Meet with your GP. Meet with, if you have other people that help you with your health, think about those people that can help you meet your goals. Mm. Because if you don't have someone that's helping you or looking at that with you, then you won't do it, I yeah. find. You won't try to meet some of those
1: goals. That's right. And of course, you know, when when we are noticing things, when we are actually monitoring, not necessarily, not in an obsessive way, but we know we've had our X number of glasses of water. We know that we've had our five a day in fruit and veg, or we know that we've gone for our walk and done 10,000 steps. Then those are little check marks really, aren't they, that help us to keep tabs on what it is that we're doing and... Even with that as well in place, it allows us to say, well, you know what? I didn't do my walking yesterday and then I didn't sleep well last night. And now I'm having a, a day where my uh, attention is all over the place or, you know, I'm in some other bad way, I guess, today. And we can start to join the dots between these basics that you're talking about and our performance um, in whatever it is that we're trying to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So if those basics aren't there, we can't add anything on top of it. So we can't mm-hmm. add productivity. I mean, we can, but it's just like your your house is then built on this sand and
1: mm-hmm. it's shaky.
0: And, okay, I'm going to try to do this hack. I'm going to try to do this thing that I want to do to help increase my productivity. But your body's like, uh-uh, we're not doing that. We're hitting the wall all the time. Mm-hmm. So I find that minding our, our physical bodies is really important, especially for folks who tend to be on the computer a lot, who tend to be in this position, if you're, this oh, yeah. is not video, but in the kind of computer position.
1: Yeah, right? yeah. Gonna,
0: and that's why I stand a lot at work. I'm standing now as I talk yeah. with you because I need to think about where my body is throughout the day.
1: And of course, yeah, that that position that you just adopted there um, of, of someone hunched over a computer, that, that really affects our breathing as well, doesn't it? Um, and that then in turn has a knock-on impact on a lot of other things that are going on for us. Definitely, definitely. Mm. So look at the basics if you want to improve that cognitive performance, basically, is is what we're getting from that. Um, and one of the other things that you and I um, mentioned earlier was about the, the role of the nervous system in stress response. And I think, again, for a lot of people in their day-to-day lives, stress response is something that is can feel like it's on them before anything else is, is recognized. Can you tell us a little bit about the role of, that, of the nervous system in that?
0: Yeah, definitely. So if we think of our nervous system, so I'll, I'll talk about the autonomic nervous system. It's broken up into two parts. So if we have two parts, we're thinking our sympathetic nervous system, that's your fight or flight system. And your parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest, digest, and also your shutdown system. So it also has a toggle. When we get overwhelmed, our parasympathetic nervous system will basically just shut us down. I think we've all had that happen where we push too hard. We're mm-hmm. overwhelmed emotionally, physically, whatever. And our bodies pretty much say, you're done for the day. You can't focus. Or um, it can look also like depression, So the parasympathetic kind of have, I see it as having two little branches that can happen. So I think for many folks, especially after the pandemic, what I've noticed in my clinical practice, I see folks who have trauma, who have anxiety, uh, depression, and brain injury. So those are my kind of areas of expertise. And I've seen a definite increase in anxiety and stress after the pandemic, or we're still in it really Mm. In a way, I don't think it's totally gone, but the after effects, I think in our nervous system are still here where we're, a lot of people are just walking around. Actually, I was thinking of, I don't know. You guys don't have Walmart there, right?
1: No, no, we don't. No.
0: So it's this big store Uh with fluorescent lights everywhere. So, I mean, when I think of fluorescent lights, my eyes just twitch. So I have sensory kind of stuff that happens sometimes. And I'm walking through the store and people just, I just find them not even looking in my eyes. You know, they're, they're like, they got the shopping cart and they're just like on this mission. And they look to me like they're in fight or flight. And it, mm. it's, it just was very striking the other day that I think people are still locked into that stress response. They're still li- mm. locked into, I have to get my my grocery items. Like, is there going to be enough of things? Which I think a lot mm. of us have felt going shopping. So even just in that environment, which for myself, I remember in the pandemic going to the grocery store, there's no toilet paper. There's no eggs today. Sometimes you go, there's no ice
1: cream, which, hey, like we all want a little <laughs> ice cream sometimes, right? Yes. Good for you sometimes.
0: <laughs> but that 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 is tied to our survival system. Okay. I can't get toilet paper. That's threat. I'm threatened. I'm not going to be able to have my needs met. Mm. And so that situation is then paired with that grocery store. And so me walking in that grocery store, seeing people like in tunnel vision, which they look they look like they're moving fast. They're very focused on their task. I'm trying to smile at them sometimes mm. if they're like directly coming in my path. No smile.
1: So mm, flat mm-hmm.
0: affect that looks like sympathetic nervous system dominance. Mm. And I think it's associated with that environment. So I think many of us, I'm just trying to paint the picture of what sympathetic energy kind of feels like mm-hmm. when we're stuck in it. That we have to get the thing done. We have to get out of there. Yeah, pretty much. it's just
1: like everybody else out of my way. I'm on this thing. I'm going to do this thing. I'm not looking at you. Don't distract me. Just, I need this done. It. My thing is the important thing here. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so fight or flight. Typically, people are going to run to flight before they fight. Mm. But I think we can see some of that with people <laughs> like having road rage or... Mm you know, there's been increased incidents of domestic violence, of Mm -hmm. kind of agitation, I think generally in the human population that we've seen in the pandemic. And so if that's fight or flight, if you're thinking about the other chain of our nervous system, which is the parasympathetic. Mm -hmm. So when we're in the rest and digest system, so when we're able to kind of Breathe and our cells can restore. There's lots of beautiful things happening when we're in rest and digest. Mm-hmm. So, food, we call it rest and digest because our food is digesting. When we're in sympathetic, when we're in that, I got to get this done, our food stops digesting because it, see, yeah. our body thinks we're in threat mode. So, a lot of people with anxiety that I see have gut issues. They are seeing their doctor a lot because mm-hmm. they're stressed to the max. And they're not engaging the parasympathetic at all. When I try yeah. to kind of talk with them about breathing or noticing, like trying to get into that other nervous system state, sometimes it brings up anxiety. When I ask them to pay attention to their body, they're like, uh, "What? You know, what are we doing? <laughs> like, you're asking me to breathe, and yeah. and what's happening in your body right now? Oh, my shoulders are tense, and they didn't realize they're clenching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All these things are happening in their body, so having a practice where you're regularly engaging your parasympathetic rest and digest system is really important. So there's lots of ways to do that. So one way I do that in my clinical practice is I'm a heart math clinical practitioner, and I don't, I don't make any money off a heart math, but it's accessible.
1: Mm. So if
0: someone wanted to look up heart math, they could, you know, get the technology for biofeedback at home. Mm -hmm. And you can essentially hack your nervous system in a way by getting your heart rate in coherence, Mm -hmm. which talks to your brain to tell it, hey, we need to calm down. We need to get more coherence, which increases Mm -hmm. healing, increases sleep, emotional well-being. All these beautiful things are happening in the body. It doesn't take a super long time. So I'm prescribing that in my clinical practice, probably. Now, let's do it five minutes a day, twice a day. And that ability to practice your body going into rest to the rest and digestive system can then sustain itself in other areas where you think, okay, let me check, check in with my body, roll my shoulders back, take the tongue off the roof of my mouth, unclench my jaw. I move with my hands. I know I'm on video, but I'm like doing all the things like I'm in my clinical practice because we don't think to do those things our body needs us to think to do these things to relax
1: yeah yeah it's it's you know as as you're talking there the thing that's coming up is you know you've just said okay maybe five minutes a day five minutes twice a day something like that and you know I guess the more stressed people get the less time they think they have to do these things and then it becomes kind of cart before the horse it's like oh I have to get all these things done before I can actually take the time to do the this kind of resetting Whereas in actual fact, you know, we really need to look at our priorities and work out, you know, if if I don't have five minutes to look after myself and put myself in a position to do the rest of the things better and to interact better with the rest of the things that I need to do, then, yeah, we, we definitely need to question um, how we're doing things, I think.
0: Yeah. And, and know that you can fit it into your schedule and to make room for it. So it, it mm. takes... It takes some time to learn the skill, but I think once you develop it, that muscle, I think of, again, I think of my fitness self, let's just work this, this kind of parasympathetic muscle Mm. that you can have that skill and then your body will benefit from that.
1: Great. It's, it's really, it's, it's about making that choice to develop this skill, isn't it? That, you know, we, we either choose it or we choose to just go on as, as we're going and suffer the consequences.
0: Yes, one hundred percent. And I think that has ripples for business owners. You know, I know I have two businesses myself. When I fall out of out of balance with that practice, I would say that rhythm. I don't like the word balance. I can get into that if you want. But (laughs) when I fall out of the rhythm, because it's a rhythm of I, I like to get into my life where I'm starting my day with kind of a practice where I'm checking into my body. And then kind of making my plan for the day out of, flows out of that, because I want to think of trying to breathe in some ease, breathe in some like compassion for myself, because most business owners that I know, we're, we're like having a million things running in our heads and we need to get it all done. OK, well, if I get this done, then that means I can do this. No, like let's start the day with mm-hmm. breathing in some ease, with bringing breathing in some self-compassion. Yeah. and then that can clearly see our we can clearly see our goals and our desires better.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it it allows for more space to think more creatively to um to look at things from a, a better perspective, not to feel like everything is on top of us that we actually have options and um yeah, it it's just a much better space to be working from all around, I think. I wonder if I can ask you about two things actually we'll start with EMDR which i know is part of your practice and it's something that i've come across in passing uh, myself so i'm really curious about it can you can you tell us first of all just roughly what it is and how you use it and how people are benefiting from it
0: yeah so EMDR is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing so the therapy traditionally is we know it for PTSD right hmm there's a lot of different applications that we've now moved into with EMDR. So some of that can be even not mental health related. It can be performance related. So do I want to increase my performance? Maybe I'm having a block. Athletes use it sometimes to help them in performance situations. So I would just say, number one, it's not just for mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, I personally have been a client doing it for panic disorder. So I used to I still struggle with some driving anxiety. I think that's normalized for me. I'm okay mm-hmm. with that, where I am with my driving anxiety. Uh, but during the pandemic, I guess my body decided that driving was dangerous. Mm-hmm. So I went through EMDR personally for driving anxiety and spe- specifically panic related to driving. So panic disorder, also traditional kind of classic PTSD. There's different applications for, for all other. Mental health conditions mm-hmm. too, like OCD, depression, anxiety. So, any any other questions off of that?
1: Hmm. Yeah. So, um, I mean, EMDR, as as I understand anyway, it 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 seems to be, I guess, related to visual processing. Is that right? And and rewiring how you know how the memories and how the nervous response and the emotions are attached to our visual memories is that is that fair I'm because I'm, I, I don't really know enough about it to, sure. to assess that
0: yeah so let me just kind of walk what it looks like so if we're thinking of trauma or a traumatic event mm. then we're we're trying to make feel like in the body that event is over so a mm. lot of times when I have a client or myself remember something that's traumatic, the body starts to have reactions. So I think mm-hmm. of that distressing. I'll use a car example because that's easier for me. So I get in, into on the highway and my body, my heart starts racing. It doesn't anymore, but it used to. Mm-hmm. My heart starts racing. I have sweaty palms. I'm thinking like some car is going to come hit me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's even just thinking of myself driving on the highway. like mm-hmm. used to be mm-hmm. in the past. So that stressful situation now feels dangerous like it's happening right now. So the goal mm-hmm. of EMDR is, is to have that situation feel like it's not happening right now. And we use tools like um, eye movements. So if mm-hmm. we're, you were seeing, I can move my hand side to side, you'd follow those eye movements. Other forms of bilateral stimulation could be the butterfly hug. So this mm-hmm. is kind of a, an interesting you know, variety of ways to do that. I often just do that for what we do when we do calm place exercise, which is kind of engaging the parasympathetic, which is what we start with. Yeah. You know, think of your calm place. Let's tap that into the body. So we're always thinking through the body and what the body mm-hmm. needs, what's happening in the body, what's coming up. Because what we found out in psychological research, it's not just in our brain. Our mm-hmm. brain is connected to our body. And so we have to think through what the body is feeling and what the body is working through. Yeah. So, yes. So our visual system, we're working that through our visual system, but it can also work if we're doing tactile bilateral stimulation, Um, auditory. Some people prefer auditory. And I -hmm. I just look at my client and see what they need for my concussion. I work with folks after a concussion. They cannot do eye movements because their vestibular system, their inner ear, Mm -hmm. ocular system that might trigger their concussion symptoms. So I won't do that. So there's lots of reasons why you might alter a protocol, but I would start with the eye movements first. Mm. And so what, go ahead.
1: No, I was, I was just going to say, you know, it, it reminds me of something that I read in um, a book by Jane McGonigal called Super Better. And she went, she had a brain injury and she was, um, she was also a gamer and she was using her kind of gaming techniques to help heal herself, basically. And one of the things that she said, and I don't know how, um, how this stacks up, was that if somebody experiences a trauma and they're likely to have um, intrusive memories from it, that basically if in those kind of first few minutes or hours after that event that they use something like if they play something like Candy Crush, which is very, very visual, that it actually can help prevent those memories becoming intrusive memories being kind of lodged. So I don't know if you've come across that, but um, I always thought that sounded very interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, if you're thinking through what does our body naturally need to process that event? So uh, in one of my trauma trainings, I can't remember which one, they showed this video of a bear after it was, you know, it was attacked by another bear and it was like a smaller, it was like a, a what was a bear pup called? I'm not sure. A, a cub? A, a bear cub. cub. Thank you, gosh. <laughs> there we go. So it was a cub and it was like almost, it was attacked, almost hurt. And so after the event was over, it was laying down and it was like running its little paws, And I think processing that. Mm. So it was processing it through the body. So if we think through what does our body need to kind of discharge that event and mm. the body. And I think sometimes like with the driving example, I might take a deep breath in and then breathe out really strongly mm. Mm. to help my body feel like it's over. It's, it's not happening right now. So any way that can happen, if it's the visual system, mm. Francine Shapiro, who founded the EMDR model, the late Francine Shapiro, she died a couple of years back. She found the model by walking mm-hmm. through a trauma. So she was physically walking and doing a bilateral movement at the time. So I think it could be multiple ways for the person. Mm-hmm. So it could be visually, I'm looking at this Candy Crush and my eyes are moving side to side. That's helping that processing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But noticing that it's helpful for the bilateral movement or, or two yeah. sides of the brain or body.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The next thing that I want to ask you about, and you've mentioned it already, is that you work with people who've had concussions, um, which I guess that's a a reasonable percentage of the population. And um, these are people, you know, you, you, I guess, are living with this then and going back to the workplace or, you know, doing whatever it is that you're doing. So how how, um, does this typically affect people and what how can you help them with it?
0: Yeah. So. My work with folks after brain injury, a backup I trained at in our rehab center here in the U.S. And I worked with people with a whole host of brain injuries. Primarily, the, the, the largest percentage of brain injuries are mild traumatic brain injury, which is a concussion. We don't think of a concussion as being a TBI, but it is. So uh, I think sometimes I think the lay population still doesn't get that that is a TBI. And so we mm. need to think through that lens of the treatment for it hmm. And what I find is especially professionals who have had a concussion, maybe they just they saw their doctor or they went to the ER, they got discharged. They said, OK, just, you know, kind of rest it off is the advice that they've been given or you should be better in a, in a couple of few days. Like, you know, and, and really bad advice was cocoon yourself. Don't look at your screens for two weeks. Don't talk to anybody. Don't do anything which leads to depression and actually worsening symptoms. Mm. So they were given advice that was outdated. Mm. And I've heard of people in my real in my real life here, one of my tennis friends was told that by a doctor just, yeah. you know, the beginning of this year. So it's still happening that people are getting advice that's really not helpful. So I've just found in seeing people like years after their concussion that, like, why are, why are we doing this? There seems to be a better way, especially for professionals who have sustained a concussion and they don't kind of fit in that traditional kind of medical model where they need as much support as going to like a neuro rehab center and having intensive therapies. They just need like solid information and research of things that can be helpful. Mm -hmm. A lot of that is the beginning phases of building our our nervous system house of making sure Mm -hmm. those cells are getting what they need. That's building the basics and then layering on top, like emotional resources, cognitive resources. And then when we get to the top, that CEO of the brain can then come online for executive functioning. So if we're thinking about that, I think a lot of it is providing education and resources for them. Okay, the, I'm seeing this is coming up for you. You need mm. to see a vestibular physical therapist. Mm. I've done this enough where I can tell someone who they need to see. Mm. I don't do that specialty, but I know what specialty they need. And I think that coordination is lacking in a lot of Mm -hmm. places for that person. So I've developed this program called Concussion Reset, Mm -hmm. and it's tailored to professionals to help them. You get one-on-one access to me Mm -hmm. uh, and then group coaching to help you learn the material, see what you need, help basically hack your brain (laughs) a little (laughs) bit through these physical things. So it's not like a quick fix, but having practices that are gonna enable brain health, physical health, and also seeing, okay, if there's these issues where I'm getting stuck in that recovery, mm-hmm. thinking of adding on a practitioner in your area that might be helpful to you. So that's kind of the a little crux of what I've I've developed in just response to seeing like people suffering
1: yeah. and needlessly. Yeah. No, it it sounds like it is much needed. And as you say, I mean it, it does sound like a very specific group. But, you know, people aren't just necessarily faced with workplace accidents. They may have been out doing um, sports or something else and or tripped over and hit their head in a door or whatever. It's the
0: biggest you you wouldn't think the biggest uh, way it happens is by fall. Mm. And especially for, you know, my aging adults who might have had a fall on the ice. I live in a northern climate here in the mm. U.S. So like a lot of my clients have fallen on the ice mm.
1: Mm. Yeah. and sustained a concussion. Yeah, well, um, I, I'm just going to ask you now as we wrap up, Jen, um, yeah. what's the best place for people who either have suffered a concussion or know someone who has and want to be able to find resources to help them? Where should they go to find out more about what you're doing?
0: Yeah, the best place is probably my website is www.tbitherapist.com. Mm -hmm. And you can also send me a DM on Instagram. I hang out there and I'm at TBI therapist. So you can
1: find me there as well. If you want to just have a chat. Super. Listen, thank you so much. We'll put all of that in the notes. So anybody who's driving or doing anything else whilst they're listening, um, you can catch up with Jen and see what she's up to. Thank you so much, Jen. I really appreciate your time.
0: Thanks. This is great.
1: You're still here? Great. Look, I know there's a lot to choose from out there. So thanks for flying with Ambition Incubator Airlines. And I look forward to seeing you on board again soon. Seriously, though, thank you for tuning in. My guests and I love hearing about what inspires you on the show and what advice has made a difference in your life or work and what you'd like more of. So get in touch. If you want to know about my other work, head over to ambitionincubator.com for details. And don't forget to hit subscribe for more great interviews, advice and bite-sized brain science every week.